0: Ms. Brown? All right. Thank you. Uh, My name is Kathleen Brown. I'm sorry, Ms. Brown, we're having a hard time hearing you. Is there any way to increase your volume? I don't think so. uh, Can you hear me better now? It appears Not not. Can you call in on the number and use the telephone for your audio? better. Is that okay. better for you, Judge Shepard? For the panel?
1: I, th- I think it's I think it's gonna gonna be uh, acceptable volume for me. Judge Strauss and Judge Covis, can you hear? I can hear Yeah you. I can. Okay. Thank you. All right Ms. Brown. Good morning Thank and you may proceed. Thank,
0: Thank you, Your Honor. My name is Katherine Brown and I represent the appelli Scott Smith. The primary issue on appeal is whether the district court used the appropriate standard to determine whether Golden China needs to make additional changes um, to the premises in order to come into compliance with the ADA. Specifically, whether, as Smith asserts, the maximum extent feasible standard for alterations applies or whether the readily achievable standards applied by the district court is appropriate. Um, 42 U.S.C. 12183 indicates that discrimination for purposes of 12182A includes failure to make alterations to the maximum extent feasible. In an attempt to get around the requirements of 42 U.S.C. 12183, the district court relied upon the State harbor provisions of 28 CFR 36304D2 Romanet 2B. Uh, however, in citing the regulation, the district court ignored the last sentence of the regulation, which states that non complying altered elements may also be subject to the requirements of 36406A5. 36406A5 in turn, states that altered facilities or elements covered by 36402 that were altered before March 15, 2012 and do not comply with the 1991 standard shall, on or after March 15, 2012 be made accessible in accordance with the 2010 standard. Further, the 2010 standards define accessible as a site building facility or portion thereof that complies with this part. So, in this instance, um the alteration that was found the the repaving that was found to be an alteration by the district court clearly falls under 36402 which talks about a change to a public accommodation that affects or could affect the usability of the building or facility or any part thereof that occurred in 2001 or, or 2002 it's undisputed by um, the uh, expert put forth by the defendant that that alteration was not done in compliance with the 1991 standard. Because it wasn't done in compliance with the 1991 standards, under 36406A52, since it's after March 50th of 2012, to be compliant now and to not be discriminating against a person with a disability, um, the ramp and parking needs to be brought um, up to the 2010 standard.
2: Council, I wanna ask you about the provision you, you talk about. It uses the word may also be subject to the requirements of 36, or 36406. What do you think the words may also be subject to means?
0: I think that means that um, it must follow under the requirements as laid out in 3665. Which is that it was altered and it's covered by 36402, and it was constructed or altered before March 15th of 2012, and it does not comply with 1991. Standard well, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is, is I wonder whether the answer
2: is actually because it may also be subject means in addition to, or or something similar. I wonder if the answer is actually that readily achievable and to the maximum extent feasible describe different things. Why isn't that the case? So that, so that both of them are operable.
0: Um, well, they definitely do mean different things. They're, they are different, different standards. Um, but the maximum extent feasible is the higher standard. And if it, if, if it applies, inherently, since it's the higher standard, it's the one that would have to be met in order to not be discriminating against the person with a disability.
2: I so might differ with you. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
0: So if you were to say, um, if somebody makes a change, um, the, the alteration, after, um, after the Safe Harbor says that existing, it's just talking about existing uh, facilities, if you alter or newly construct them after March 15th, then it has to comply with the 2010 standard. Whereas under 36406A5, it's saying, if you can fix your alteration before March 15th of 2012 uh, so that it, you could have done either standard, but then you are stuck with the 2010 standard. They, they both sync up in that way. Before March 15th of 2012, you could be, if you are, the safe harbor is, if you were compliant with the 1991 standard, you don't have to change it to be in compliance with the 2010 standard. Well, let me, let me a, ask you
2: this. You, you use the word inherently, and I'm not sure the word inherently actually works here, and here's why. Because readily achievable focuses on the ability of um, the person or business making the change um, their ability to pay. If you look at all the factors that fall under that, it's about does the business have the ability to pay? Uh, what's their financial situation? How much would it cost, etc. And to the maximum extent feasible, focuses entirely on the physical ability to make that change. Can it actually be done? Um, is it feasible to make that happen? So I wonder if the real answer using also subject to is that you need to make the changes that are readily achievable to the maximum extent feasible. In other words, that the two standards go hand in hand using the may also be subject to language.
0: Well, I would disagree because um, the readily achievable falls under one section of the code, 42USD 12182. That's one requirement under the the plain language of the law, not talking about the regulations that implement it, but the actual law. And 12183, there's the plain language of that indicates that if you've made an alteration, then it has to be done to the maximum extent feasible. So although the Safe Harbor is allowing you to um, essentially make a choice between 1991 or 2010 standards, and which which one applies? The fact that they're uh, putting in thirty six it's a five is saying if you made an alteration in the the past, um, the um, the four hundred six is also updated at the same time to indicate that if you had non compliant alteration, they must be. Uh, made accessible in accordance with the 2010 standards in this instance because we're well past March 15th of 2012.
2: So my last question is, so you agree with the district court that these two standards are incompatible, you would just come out the other way. You would say to the maximum extent feasible is the is the governing standard, not the reasonably achievable standard. Is that is that a fair characterization?
0: Yes, because that's what the statute says, so it's plain language is the statute, and these are just the regulations that are implementing it. And the point is, the, the point of having the change between the 91 and 2010 standards is that so that people that were compliant with the 91 standards aren't penalized and required to make changes to come into to compliance with the 2010 standards in the case that they are uh, stricter, which is true in certain, uh, at certain times. So, Ms. Brown. If you get your job the first time, you don't have to refi- fix it for the new standards. Uh, Mr. Brown, and that is, oh, Ms. Brown
1: uh, yes. question. Two questions. The first is just for clarification: Is the is Mr. Smith the appellant here the same appellant as in the Bradley Pizza case? Uh, yes, Your
0: Honor.
1: Okay, and that leads me to to the second question, and that is: uh, I'm wondering whether the appellant here has standing. Um, because the impression one could draw from the record here is that Mr. Smith um, did not go to this establishment for the purpose of patronizing the establish the establishment, and really has not had no intent uh, in ever returning. And it, it's kind of uh, you know the idea of just. Uh, roaming around dropping in on various establishments to see if they there's a a colorable statutory um violation here irrespective of whether there was any real intent to patronize the establishment or to ever um, return and as i recall here mr smith this is 50 miles away from his home and uh, one, th- one thing that stuck out to me is his testimony that he doesn't even like Chinese food. So, what about the standing uh, standing issue?
0: Well, the district court found that they there's standing based on uh, his assertion that he intended to return, um, and for summary judgment to be entered, um, there there might be a issue of fact at best, but. For the purposes of summary judgment, the district court found that there was standing based on his assertion. Um, Red Wing, where the um, Golden China is located, is along his path from his where he lives to where his parents live. So he drives through there on a regular basis. If he was to want, to, and he meets up with his family in that area, again, on a regular basis, um, they go to the casino nearby as a family well, before COVID, once or twice a year, and they tend to go somewhere to eat in Red Wing. So his position is that he should be able to go eat. It's not necessarily in the record, but he's an incredibly picky eater. So most restaurants don't have things that he likes. He goes there and eats the minimum, whatever he can find. Um, So.
1: And if there are no other questions right now, I'll reserve the rest of the time. All right.
3: Thank you, Ms. Brown. Mr. Uh, Linaruth. Good morning, Your Honor. You Brian, make your seat. Thank you, Your Honor. Brian Lenneruth of Best and Flanagan, appearing on behalf of appellees. There seems to be some confusion, uh, Your Honors, in the safe harbor that Judge Tunheim replied. Uh, Ms. Brown represented that that safe harbor was found in section 36.304 uh, subpart D2 Romanet 2B. Uh, that's not the case. As reflected in page 42 of the addendum, Judge Thunheim relied on section 36.304 B. Judge Strauss, you focused on the, the language of the provision that Ms. Brown cited. The language specifically the may also be subject to uh, and you asked what uh, what was the correct interpretation of that miss brown answered that it must be subject to alterations that is incorrect i see that as directional that the alteration requirements may apply but you must first get over the threshold of whether the alteration is readily achievable the court issue before this court is whether a prior uh, resurfacing project nearly 20 years in the past now required Golden China to spend an unlimited amount of money to undergo extensive repairs to its parking facility, including its existing accessible parking space, access aisle, and ramp. Council um, Judge Cobus here. I, I'd like to go back to one of Judge Strauss's questions um, to your colleague. Do you see a conflict between 402 and 304, or do you read those as compatible? I, I, I do, and I, I see that that is something that Judge Tunheim clearly wrestled with in his, in his opinion. Um, ultimately, his classification of the resurfacing work as an alteration it appears to be dicta, and he concedes that it's not relevant to whether or not that safe harbor applies. The conflict really lies or is created by the sweeping broad definition of alteration in the alteration section of the provision, which folds in any modification that impacts or could impact the usability of the facility. Arguably, that encompasses any modification a business would make, good faith reliance of the safe harbor provision uh, that Judge Tunheim's decision is based. This State Harbor provision was designed for the purpose of incentivizing businesses to enhance the usability of their existing facilities where strict compliance with the requirements for new construction and alteration was not readily achievable, which readily achievable means easily accomplishable and can be carried out without much difficulty or expense.
2: Council, can I ask you, I want to follow up by asking about D3, and in particular, uh, 36304 D3, and in particular, um, one as well. So one read in conjunction with three. It says, except as provided in paragraph D3, measures taken to comply with the barrier removal requirements shall also comply with the alteration requirements. That's essentially what it says. So if we are, in fact, in D3, then I wonder whether we're in the safe harbor because that accept as means presumably that we're not in the safe harbor anymore. And what's the significance of that?
3: So if I'm understanding your your question correctly, Judge Strauss, I I may not be. Um, that that safe harbor really carved out and excludes any repairs. Uh, undertaken as part of the, the safe harbor from being classified as an alteration?
2: Well, what it says, I think D3, what it says, is if you make a partial modification, in other words, you, you have too steep of a slope, but you, you kind of do a good job, but not a, you don't do a perfect job in complying with the regulations, I read D1 as saying that's not good enough. That doesn't put you in the safe harbor because you still have to comply with 402 through 404, 402 through 406.
3: Am I wrong about that? I, I would assert uh, respectfully, Your Honor, that you are incorrect. That interpretation would render D3 meaningless. Uh, it would, Are about that, I, I, I can't foresee any, uh, for that safe harbor to, to have any effect at all it has to not require the alterations requirements. Um, uh, it, Yeah, I, I, I apologize for... <laughs> no,
2: uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're right. I'm not sure you're right necessarily that it renders it meaningless, but let me follow up with this, which is except as provided in paragraph D3 of this section. That's in D1. What does that mean? I'm gonna go back to the sort of basics. What does that mean?
3: To me, that means yeah. that You focus on d3 if d3 applies you don't have to comply with alteration requirements in d1 Uh, so d3 is the exception to d1 so it's not it doesn't say notwithstanding d3 you still have to do the alteration requirements it says unless the exception in d3 is triggered you have to undertake the alteration requirements I think the way that you were thinking about it, at least um, in your questions to Ms. Brown, is correct. That That the readily achievable standard does apply as part of the alteration. It makes no sense that a business that undeniably has insufficient financial assets should have to undergo repairs that would require it to go out of business. The record provides that in the three years prior to the initiation of this lawsuit, Golden China operated at a net loss, and prior years were similar. Golden China is a small family-owned restaurant, and its two employees work more than nine hours a day, six days a week, and earn at or near poverty-level wages. At the summary judgment stage, Scott Smith was required to have a plan to address the alterations he demands the cost of those alterations, as well as how those alterations would impact the finances and operation of Golden China. He failed to meet that burden. The extensive $29,000 to $39,000 required to modify Golden China's parking lot are not available. Scott Smith only has bald assertions that the measures are readily achievable because he speculates that Golden China could qualify for a mortgage or that tax credits and deductions could help defray the costs. The argument regarding tax credits and deductions was the same argument raised in the Disability Support Alliance, the Hartwood Enterprise case heard by this circuit, which that court rejected. As for the, the mortgage speculation, even if Gold and China were able to qualify for a mortgage. Gold and China testified that it would not be able to afford the mortgage loan payments. There is nothing in the record to support the contention that Gold and China could afford these costs. And the rule that Mr. Smith is advocating would disincentivize other businesses from taking any measures to improve the usability of their facilities uh, if they could not afford the exacting requirements set forth for alterations and new constructions. New construction. Make no mistake, Your Honors, that the rule Mr. Smith is advocating would amount in less access, not more.
1: Council... um I want to ask you about my standing question. Uh, I think the district court made a call on the standing question, but does that, does that end the issue? Can we go into that issue, Susponte?
3: Your Honor, I believe you can. Under Federal Rule Civil Procedure 12H3, Subject matter jurisdiction is is never waived. If a court determines it, that it lacks standing, the action must be dismissed, and the district court could not appropriately have arrived on its decision on the merits. As Ms. Brown noted, that uh, Judge Toenheim credited testimony to Mr. Smith uh, at summary judgment on the standing issue. Um, the Golden China argued in the district court that Mr. Smith lacked standing for some of the reasons you, you cited, his lack of an um, area 50 miles from his residence, uh, his, uh, the fact that he doesn't like Chinese food, um, and the fact that despite the information stated in his declaration, the only time he has gone back to the businesses' He who was to see to, have to see if there's any other violations. Well, uh,
1: you know maybe you can help me here and correct me if'm I'm, if I'm incorrect, but have you read the um, the Bradley Pizza case?
3: I have your honor I was didn't, uh, didn't, the, didn't that um,
1: the visit? The visit that led to this lawsuit, the visit to Golden China, didn't that visit occur on the same day as the the visit to the Bradley Pizza restaurant that's described in that case?
3: You're exactly
1: correct, Your Honor. And, and then, the... secondly, didn't I haven't I haven't gone back in the record of the Bradley Pizza case, but I'm looking at our court's per opinion, which recounts. That uh, says that in that case, Mr. Smith testified that the only reason he drove to Red Wing on May 25th was to test the various businesses. That's and that he had and that he had no specific plans to visit Red Wing in the foreseeable future. That's precisely correct, Your Honor. So what do we do? With, what do we do with that? We have a we have an, a, a case. Uh, handed down by a panel of our court, the kind of uh, refers to his this same appellant and his uh, and his uh, state of mind or his testimony that seems to be a little bit contrary to what the record in this case shows. What do we do
3: if the court determines that the district court lacked standing? It should still affirm the dismissal of this case, uh, reversing only uh, to modify that it be without uh, prejudice. Um, the record in this case in the Bradley case is substantially similar. Mr. Smith testified um, for three cases all in the same deposition. Uh, that was for the Bradley Pizza case, this case, and a separate case uh, in Beer Stube, which was also dismissed uh, for by the Honorable Judge Schultz for lack of standing. Let Thanks. me ask you this. I want to
2: follow up on the on the standing issue, which is, um, and this gets a little bit to Judge Shepard's question, is the testimony and the evidence here is a little different than in the Bradley's Pizza case? And here, as I recall, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, he made the argument that it would not have been safe to go up the ramp um, of this particular restaurant. And we said, actually, I actually authored an opinion, I don't remember which one it was, the Hillshine case in um, um, Holiday Station stores, where we said, if, it's, if, if there's an assertion that it's unsafe to go up the ramp, or it's unsafe because you could get hurt, um, that that's probably enough for standing, that you don't actually have to get hurt in order to have standing to challenge an ADA violation. Does that make this case different? I understand it's a little unfair. Student argue standing a little different for Bradley's Pizza.
3: Yeah. So, Hillersheim's opinion, Your Honor, if I'm correcting, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, that not only do they need to observe the violation, they have to connect to their decision to leave. Because injunction, uh, injunctive relief is the only relief available under the ADA, an individual must also show an intent to return. And the Supreme Court's holding in Luhan Defenders of Wildlife stands for the proposition that a proposition that someday vague general intentions to return are insufficient, and that is what the Bradley Pizza found uh, case found. It looked at the testimony and found that Mr. Smith lacks. Uh, Sufficient intentions to return to the facility, and therefore, the court didn't have standing to issue an injunction. Unless your honors have any further. So what questions. do we? So what do we?
1: Two district judges uh, looked at the same testimony and interpreted it differently. What? What happened?
3: Judge Tostred, uh, as reflected in his, his opinion in the Bradley Pizza case. Really went out of its way and, re- and reviewed the entire deposition transcript. Uh, for his part, Judge Thunheim, uh in considering the, sta- uh, the evidentiary burden and the standards of summary judgment, generally credited the testimony to to uh, Scott Smith in this case. Um, I agree with the with what I with the court appears to be representing that. It does appear to be in conflict, and if this, if Judge Tuneheim lacks standing, uh, the dismissal of this case was still appropriate, uh, but arguably on different grounds. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you.
1: All right, Ms. Rudolph, how much time does Ms. Brown have remaining?
0: Approximately four I believe minutes. I have three and a half minutes, approximately.
1: All right. You may proceed, and and here's my que- here's my question as we get started. Um, we have the same testimony, the same deposition in Bradley Pizza as we do in the case now before the court, and we have an opinion of a panel of the court that um, describes the testimony and makes a makes a legal um, an application of law with respect to that testimony why are we not bound if it's the same testimony the same appellant expressing oh, the same um intent or lack of intent to ever return identical testimony and we have a panel opinion why are we not bound by that uh wouldn't won't it be a little Somewhat peculiar to have a different uh, different result based on the same testimony.
0: Well, first, it was it's, it's an unpublished decision, it's per, per curiam, so it's not it's not binding precedent. But um, fundamentally, when it comes to uh, and if we were to make if you guys, if the court was to um, make it a binding precedent, there would be a conflict between other circuits regarding what is necessary for standing specifically regarding whether it is, the location needs to be open um, and you intend to actually visit the location to patronize it. And um, this is problematic because other districts have found test for standing to be an appropriate standing. You go there, you see that there's a barrier and um, you decide to bring, you bring suit and your intent is to go back at a minimum to see if you can now enter um, and if they come into compliance. In this case, um, when we talk about the amorphous attempt to return, this is problematic, particularly in this case, because from just a common sense standpoint, why would anybody make a concrete plan on a specific day to go back to a place they cannot get into, where they're terrified, that was the word that Scott Smith said, of the ramp? Um, Because of those barriers, he's No person would want to go back somewhere where they cannot get in and where they're scared to even attempt it. Now, what he said he wants to do is return once it's compliant, but it's not compliant yet. They have made no changes to that ramp. So it doesn't make sense for him to say, I'm going to go back on May 30th, for example, because he still couldn't get in because the changes haven't been made.
2: How does this case interact with the uh the Hillshine case? So I think you represented Mr. Hillshine, if I recall correctly. how does that interact and I forget which one dealt with it, but one of them dealt with a trash can issue, I think.
0: Um, yeah, so um sorry, there's multiple holiday cases, so if I have the wrong one, but there was um there's a few where. It didn't make sense, or he could not try to go in, whether it was because there was a trash can at the top of the ramp where he, from the bottom, didn't believe he could um, navigate it properly, or there's another one where um, somebody, there was no, uh, the ramp didn't have marked off stripes at the bottom of it, and somebody was parked there because it wasn't marked off. So he literally could not get to the ramp. Um, and those types of things, um, just because he was unable to go inside doesn't mean that he didn't have standing. There's a reason he wasn't able to go inside, and that's because of the barriers that were present. The same thing applies here and applied in Bradley Pizza, at least at the time um, that he originally visited. There were barriers present that made it impossible for him to go inside. He's terrified of that ramp. Or in, uh, or in the case of the holidays... There, he is unable to navigate the curb ramp either depending on the one because it's blocked and he couldn't get past the car that was there, um, or because there's a garbage can at the top that may, makes it impossible for him to maneuver properly to get to the door. And just uh, um, to make somebody attempt something where, in this case, where um, Mr. Smith is afraid that he would fall over if he was going to attempt it, as if his chair was going to fall over or they wasn't going to make it up it, um, it really turns things on its head and um, makes it so almost nobody would have standing because it, that, it's just too much to ask that somebody put themselves in harm's way in order to have standing. Sure, I I, can I do. ask
2: one one additional question? Yeah. Yes, proceed. Um, if Maybe you don't have to say a specific date, but should you have to be able to say, or should the plaintiff have to say, if it is fixed, if this defect under the ADA is fixed, I will go to this restaurant again, or I will, I will show up at this restaurant. Maybe that's the intent to go in the future. And do we have that here?
0: Yes. That has been asserted by Mr. Smith, both in his complaint and in his testimony, that when it is successful, he will return. But it's, it is very hard to have a date for that because he does not know when, he's going to go, when it's going to be fixed. And uh, as Mr. Lennaro pointed out, he has gone back to see if it was fixed. He's actually been back to check to see if it's been fixed, um, which although obviously that happened after the final of the complaint and standing is measured from the time of filing, it does evidence his intent to make sure to check up on the locations to see if they've made changes and if you can now access them.
1: So you don't. So, Council, um, didn't Mr. Smith testify that he he had no specific plans to visit not just the restaurant but the the town?
0: Yeah, on that, as of the date of the of his deposition he didn't have a specific date in mind to go that doesn't mean that he hadn't been back before that and fa- and found out that they still had not made changes and he still didn't have information uh, either from himself or through uh, either myself or opposing counsel that they had made changes so it it would it'd be a waste of time it would be a waste of his time to Make a plan to go back at that point when it's not compliant because he can't get in. He shouldn't have to make.
1: Well, but you're a, you're focusing on the restaurant. I'm talking about the town, the co- the community itself.
0: Right. This, um, he has no and, he has no
1: plans on the foreseeable future to visit the community, much less the restaurant.
0: Well, at the time of that, uh, at the time of the testimony, this is not in the testimony, but at the time of his testimony, his mother was in the hospital, so he. What was his normal um, back and forth was uh, changed because of things that happened after the filing of the complaint. That doesn't mean that when things, when his the family problems he was having, uh, medical problems were done, that they wouldn't go back to visiting Red Wing a couple times a year. And there are certain um, there are certain types of public accommodations where you make. You make a specific plan, like a hotel, but there's other places like I, um, you know, I have my my favorite restaurant in town where I live. I do intend to go back. I go back on a regular basis, but I don't, if you ask me when I plan to go back next, I wouldn't be able to tell you that because it's more of a spur of the moment decision or, you know, I want to go out tonight. This is the type of food I'm interested in eating. I, Similarly, uh, All
1: right. I, I think we understand and thank you for your uh, response uh, thanks to both counsel for your arguments the case is uh, submitted and we will render a decision in due course thank you very much thank you your Honor. thank you your Honor. you may call her.